0: to give to the church so we don't actually take up a collection um but it really seemed important that we pray each week over what people have given regardless of how it got here right or when it got here (laughs) you know may your gift may show up on wednesday and it may uh, you may do it via text message so we're going to do that in a minute but first i want to kind of just briefly share with you what i think is one of the most challenging giving verses in the bible And it's Proverbs 11, uh, 23, and 24. And it tells us, The desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers one. So verse 24, there is telling us that there's really two types of people sitting here today or watching online. The first person is one who gives freely. The second person is one who withholds what he or she should give. So each person takes an action and then each person has a different experience as a result, excuse me, as a result of that action. So the first person, the one who gives freely and gives from their heart is the one who grows richer. The second person, the one who withholds their giving, doesn't just grow poorer, it says they suffer. So what's the difference between these two people? Well, it's the level of their generosity in proportion to what God has entrusted them with. So in short, generosity sort of defines your life experiences. Now, it's counterintuitive, but that's how the kingdom works, right? The kingdom is counterintuitive on a lot of different levels and with a lot of different things. And so when you give out of a heart of gratitude and obedience, God just gives you more to give. When you hold on to what you were entrusted with, gets taken away. Some of you may have been wrestling about whether or not you should trust God with your finances. Well, today, this moment is the time that God's asking you to open your heart, open your hand, and trust him like you've never bef- have before. And I can promise you from personal experience that you will grow richer, not just in your finances, but in the overall quality of your life experiences. So let's pray over our offering. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we can always trust in you. Lord, we praise you that you are an abundant God and out of your great love and mercy, you have given us so much. And so as an act of our heartfelt gratitude, we give you now our tithes and offerings. With them, we worship you and acknowledge your blessings upon us. Please now take them. And use them for your kingdom and your glory. Extend and multiply their reach and their influence. And may they be a great blessing to many. We ask all this in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I heard a couple of people talking about this. And yes, believe it or not, it is the first Sunday of Advent. (laughs) Um, Some probably are like, praise the Lord. So, um, we are going to use an Advent wreath this year, um, and so as I light this first candle, I'd like you to watch a short video uh, that just talks about this first Sunday, which is uh, where the theme is hope. (coughs) Hope. Thank you. steady refrain that you hear from people these days is that they can't wait for 2020 to be over, right? Coronavirus pandemic, we were going to stop the spread in, what, 15 days or three weeks or something like that and it's still with us and uh, it's taken an enormous toll uh, on both people and businesses. Um, There has been rioting that's occurred in at various points throughout the year in various cities, causing a lot of uh, additional destruction. And then, uh, on top of all that, the presidential election was a mess, and then you add in kind of the everyday, ordinary stressors of life, and it's no wonder that mental health remains an enormous challenge. I saw something where it said that the Center for Disease Control has found that in 2020, now get a load of these statistics, 40% of people are suffering from symptoms of mental illness, 30% are anxious or depressed, and 11% have at least contemplated suicide. That's 80 80 plus percent of the population that this is affected in that way. And that doesn't even count the damage that's being done to so many of our children by keeping them physically from attending school. And so many people have reached this point in in the year, the end of November, the first of December, with hope in pretty short supply. So today I would like to offer you an invitation to hope, an invitation that can be found in the ancient words of the prophet Isaiah, as well as in the writing of the Apostle Paul. So if you'd like to follow along, uh, we're going to read Isaiah uh, 9, 6, and 7, and then look at uh, a verse from Romans, but we will have them on the screen for you as well. So first, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, the ancient prophecy of the Christ child. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And then from uh, the letter to the Romans, Paul writes, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what I want to show you today in these these verses, and in particular, anyone who is watching or listening that has kind of reached this point and has little or no hope, that the birth of Jesus is truly an invitation to hope. And why should you accept that invitation? Well, I think there's several reasons why. I think, first of all, Jesus was specifically born and given to you. I think that it, it says that Jesus is the foundation of all government. Jesus is wise, strong, eternal, fair, and just, and that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit who brings overflowing hope. So first of all, let's look at this first point that the birth of Jesus is, uh, no, that Jesus was specifically born and given to you. Now, if you want to look at this contextually, what this is essentially saying is that Jesus um, was born both to a human existence, but also maintains a divine existence. In other words, he was born of a woman, but he was given to us from a heavenly father in a a divine way. So it maintains both his humanity and his deity. But with all of the text that we're going to be talking about today, I want to examine what it means for us practically. Okay, That's wonderful, but what does this mean for us today in in a time when there's not a lot of hope? Well, both born to and given to express direction to the recipient, right? And the recipient is us in this case, right? But who is us? Who is Isaiah talking to? Well, in in his day, us was the nation of Israel. That's who he was writing to. But that was before the new covenant. And so Jesus redefined the, the concept of us when he told Nicodemus that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So all of a sudden, us becomes us, right? It's not just the nation of Israel any longer. It's everybody. Jesus came for the world. He came for us, but he came for you. He was born for you, and he was given to you. And his entry into the world was purposeful, It wasn't an accident. It didn't happen by chance. Being born as an infant to me really suggests this, this total innocence, this tiny baby that has no agenda other than eventually to be about his father's business. And so it's so wonderful that we can look at the name of Jesus and it doesn't have an R or a D next to it. Jesus wasn't pro-this or anti-that. Jesus had no bias or prejudice within him. And he never developed any of those things. He was and is a universal savior, and he's one that you can know personally. And so you can accept this invitation to hope because we know that Jesus was specifically born and given to each one of us, to you. Second, that Jesus is the foundation of all government. Now, again, in context, this is referring to the Messiah and the Messiah's acceptance of the burden of rule that would be put on him. Right? Uh, Figuratively, you could even look at this verse about the government being on uh, his shoulders as the acceptance of the kingly robe that the Messiah will wear that's representative of his responsibility to govern everybody. And that clearly gives us hope for eternity. But I think we could also understand this to mean that that Jesus ought to be the foundation of any just government. Because without belief in or acknowledgement of God, human government will always let you down, will always be insufficient, will always be incapable of being fair and just, will always be unable to provide any kind of lasting hope. The founders of this nation understood that. See, they understood the necessity of having God as government's foundation. Now, you get ridiculed these days if you express that view in public. But see, try as you might, you just, history is a stubborn thing, and you just can't erase it. And history tells us that the founding fathers thought God to be of supreme importance to government. It's why I believe, and mentioned this before the election, that you should place emphasis on voting for Christian principles. To not do so causes us to drift even further than we already have away from what the founders clearly intended. Now, if you would like an example that proves what they were thinking, I think uh, there's a way to do that. And I want to take our most recent holiday, in fact, Thanksgiving was just a few days ago. And I hope you all had a a very nice one. I'm sure you all socially distanced the entire time. (laughs) Now, while there's truth in the stories of pilgrims and Indians sitting down to a meal together, the day that we celebrate actually has very strong ties to an October 3rd, 1789 presidential proclamation. Now, I'm going to quote the words of George Washington, and I I think... Most of you know who he is. I think schools still teach that he was the first president. At least I hope so. Um, So anyway, these are the words of George George Washington. This was a presidential proclamation, October 3rd, 1789. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor, and whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity to peaceably establish a, for, excuse me, a form of government for their safety and happiness." Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for the kind care and protection of the people of this country, previous to their becoming a nation, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence, which we experience in the course and conclusion of the late war, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have since enjoyed, for the peace and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general for all the great and various favors which he hath been pleased to confer upon us. (laughs) So you can plainly see that at one time we had a president, a house of representatives, and a senate that understood that government should rest squarely on the shoulders of Jesus. That's a human government you could find hope in. And I pray that someday we may get that back. But until then, we look forward to the second coming of Jesus and the government that he will usher in. And so you can accept his invitation of hope because you know that the eternal government of Jesus is a government in which you can have hope. Third, you can accept his uh, invitation because Jesus is wise, strong, eternal, fair, and just. This refers to verse six and verse seven in the text. And those are all names that uh, imply divinity. Okay, So wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, And in verse seven, they're characteristics of a successful king, right, to be fair and to be just. But if we consider these titles and characteristics today, can we find hope in them? And again, I think the answer undoubtedly is yes. Just think about it, what's a wonderful counselor? I would say it's someone who's wise, who's patient, who's understanding, forthright, who's a good listener, and someone who gives good, solid, practical advice, to whoever they're counseling a mighty god is strong enough to protect you to defend you and to do the things that he says he will do an everlasting father won't abandon you will be there when you need him no matter what you do he will never stop loving you or being your father a ruler who abounds in fairness is able to discern what is right and what is wrong in every situation. If punishment is warranted, it will not be overly harsh or demeaning. A fair ruler always values the individual. A just ruler is guided by truth and reason. He or she doesn't discharge justice on a whim It's because of personal preference, but according to principle and according to law. Whatever decision is rendered, it's done so rightly And it's exactly what's deserved. And so again, you can accept this invitation to hope because you know that these are just some of the characteristics that describe Jesus. And finally, we can accept this invitation because Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is the source of hope. Now Paul says that trust in God produces overflowing, confident hope and he says that God is the only source of that hope. And the way to access that hope is through trust. Exclusive trust. Trusting to that degree means to stop trusting everything else. That means deciding that trust is not found in your job. Trust is not found in your bank account. Trust is not found in your spouse or significant other or your parents, or the number of friends you have on Facebook, or the government. Trust is the key. See, trust is not an emotion or a feeling. Trust is a decision. You decide whether to trust something or someone. And if we limit the information on which we are basing this decision to trust Jesus, just to the two verses from Isaiah today, that's an easy decision. See, people are imperfect. Jesus is not. People do fail. Jesus does not. People let you down. Jesus will not. And so you can accept his invitation to hope today because you know that he is the source of hope. So I ask you, what is God inviting you to have hope for today? Now when Pastor Chip comes up here in a few moments, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to that question. But for now, I'm just going to leave it up there so you can think about it. And we're going to uh, share a time of communion together. Uh, you should have in front of you, in the seats in front of you, these little cups with a, a wafer on the top and some juice uh, in the beneath the second wrapper. So I would ask you to unwrap that now. And I'm going to con- consecrate these elements, and then we will take communion together. So we recall now that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and giving thanks for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he did so b- telling them, this is my body given for For the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you eat this bread, do so and remember me. And then he took a cup and again asked his father to bless it. He gave this to his disciples as well. And he said, take this all of you and drink, for this is the cup of my blood. The blood of the new and everlasting covenant. Blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So whenever you eat this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. So Lord God, we thank you and praise you and offer up to you this humble meal of bread and juice that you would make it to be for us your body and blood. We ask that you consecrate it now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Body of Jesus given for you, and the blood of Jesus shed for you. Father, I just give you great thanks for the hope that you provide us, that if we will only put our trust in you, that there is more hope than we will ever need. So I just give you praise and honor. We just magnify your name, O Lord, and ask all this now in Jesus' name, amen.
1: apparently I can't use a microphone even though I use them constantly I invited Kyle to come play so as Pastor Jeff was saying this is an invitation to hope so we wanted to do something a little different this morning Um, what we want to do is we have these cards and we're going to pass them out him. asked my dad you can come up I have him COVID ready to make sure it's sanitary but we're going to pass these cards out to you. you just hand them to anybody you want. He's got gloves in the mask. Whatever situation you're feeling hopeless in this morning, whatever situation you're feeling like you need the hope of Jesus, I'm going to challenge you to write it on that card. And you don't have to write your name on it because that'd be, that'd be weird. And then if you're so bold enough, just come leave it right here, on this stage right here, or on this step like an altar. And just say, you know what, Jesus, (laughs) I'm laying this down and I'm picking up that, I'm accepting that invitation to hope this morning. I don't know about you, but there's things in life that can make me feel hopeless. Maybe you're perfect and that's great. I'm not. So just take a moment. Think of that. You don't have to share it with anybody. And then just come lay it down. And what we're going to do is once you've done that, we're going to pray over it. We're not going to call them all out. But we are going to pray over them. And then we're going to invite you kind of into some ministry time. But we'll take a moment for you to do that now. And just, you don't have to wait for someone to say, come forward. You can just come drop it off. Go back to your seat. Father, as people put these responses down on these cards. Lord, I pray that they can be open and honest. I pray that this will act as a step of faith of just saying I am accepting that invitation. And I believe I'm leaving it right there. I'm leaving it at the altar. I'm leaving it there for you. Lord, we're believing you this morning that all these situations that we're writing down that you're involved in and that you give us great hope for. We ask it in Jesus name. So we'll just give you a moment to do that. And once you've done that, you can come drop it off. Let me get mine. a few more moments there's just something about taking a physical step of faith releasing it to him Father, you know every every card, Lord, that's been laid up here. You know every situation. And Jesus, you've said there's no situation that we can feel that we should feel hopeless in. Because God, you have overcome the world. You've overcome every issue. You've overcome every problem we've ever faced and ever will face, Lord Jesus. So, Father, as card after card is laid down before you, I know. I know that the devil is nervous. And we just right now as a church say, devil, you lose. Because our hope is in Jesus. And it might not look good right now. And it might be confusing right now. And you might not see a way out right now. And I don't need to know the way because I know the way maker. Amen. So God of hope, would you touch every situation represented here? Every issue, every struggle, every broken family issue, every broken spiritual issue, every wayward son and daughter that it seems they won't come home, every grandchild. Lord, we turn it over to you. We turn it over to you in faith, in knowing, That you're a God of hope. Pastor John and I will be up front if you need prayer for anything. Emotional, physical, spiritual. We believe. Sally, do you have a testimony from last week? Didn't your neck get? Why don't you come share that for us? Every week, in case you're new, we have ministry time. and, and And last week, Sally had a neck issue and God did some things.
2: So I was having a lot of pain, a lot of stiffness in my neck for days. And uh, Chip prayed for me. And almost all of it went. I've still just got a little residual part. <laughs> so so no, but I'm just saying, go ahead and pray for me. Can't you? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's much, much better. I mean, I couldn't even do this without it just like really hurting. So thank you, God.
1: And we just like to highlight stuff. Amen. Praise God. If it was your neck, you'd be clapping. Are you testifying or you have something to share? Come on. I wasn't sure what you were doing. I thought you were just praising. Amen. Hallelujah.
2: I won't be here next week, so I wanted to tell you all that I have been healed of restless legs. We are, I think, 11 days now, and I have not had one jump yet want to tell you what I think the key was because you know God doesn't do things our way I think it comes from submission I've been asking God to help me in my unbelief because honestly I don't like submission I always wanted to be the man I figured that's where the power was because those were the people that you know were not so great but what I'm coming to find out submission is a blessed thing when you have someone who loves you and is willing to walk through it and i'm also finding that submission especially when you don't feel like it is blessed even more by the lord so if that's trust or whatever you may call it that it's a different way of making decisions now so 11 days in and a call out to chip because about how many months ago i don't you probably don't remember i thought i had been healed and i was and it went back it's not going back this time. We have contended for this and still am, but eleven days till leg jump.
1: Amen. So if you need prayer, we'll be up here. If you just want to hang out and pray and soak, or, or come here and kneel, that's up to you. But don't let this part of the service feel like, oh, this is the end. I can just go. This could very well be the most important part for you, because this could be the part that you encounter the Holy Spirit. So, Father, bless every person in this room, Lord, every person watching online, God. Holy Spirit, come and during our ministry time, just like you always have, just like you always do, and save, heal, and deliver, Lord. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, the name that we put our hope in. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Give them praise.